really feels a significant time for us as a, as a church. Uh, I said at the end of last year, it feels like we're standing at the Jordan River and we are about to go across into the, into the promised land. And uh, yeah, so I want to give you a bit of background to how we came to where we are currently. Okay, so I want to take you on a little bit of a journey that you can hear the heart behind it and, and how God has been, been, been leading us. You see, when it comes to vision or to you know, finding God's plan, it's, it's often a journey. So this, we're still on the journey. It's probably for the rest of my life and our lives, we're still going to discover more. Um, but the Lord has brought us to some, something really awesome, I believe. So, yeah, so for us, this church belongs to Jesus I am after his heart, his will. That's what we're after. So it's not man. I'm not looking for a man-made vision because a man-made vision won't work. Do you agree? Okay. We get excited about a a God-ordained vision, a God-ordained plan. That's what I get excited about. I'm sure that's what you also will get excited about. So about five years ago, to end of 2012, October 2012, is when the Lord started to speak to me about the fivefold ministry. So uh, some people prayed for me, I received prophetic words, and the Lord started to unlock the whole vision around the fivefold ministry, which most of us here should have heard a little bit about if you've been in the church for more than a month. And, uh, and, it, and it's awesome, and it's exciting, and God has used the whole fivefold ministry um, truth to, to impact churches, and, and my life's been transformed. But I've, I've often wrestled with it feels a little bit too complex still. I'm feeling, I'm wanting to simplify. You know, I'm wanting to simplify. I'm feeling God is wanting to simplify it so that it is easier for all of us and for, for what God wants to do for us to run with it. So I want to read this verse, Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 4. So the Lord gave me this verse end of last year. And it says there, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain. On tablets, that he may run who reads it. Isn't that a profound scripture? Write it down, make it plain. and In other words, clear, understandable, so that he who reads it can run. So this is what I've been wrestling with. I'm always thinking, how can we simplify? How can we make it easier to understand and easier to remember and easier to make it part of our lives so that we can fulfill the will of God? So... <clears throat> So write the vision. You know, it's the whole thing with the Old, Old, Old Testament prophets. They saw things and then they wrote it down. And when I, I believe when it comes to your life and when it comes to a church's life, you know, if a church is born of God, if a vision is born of God, it's already existing in eternity. It's already there. Our lives have already been spelled out. God has this awesome plan written in heaven. The question is, will we discover the plan? Will we seek God, so we can actually discover this is God's will, this is God's heart for us, for individuals, but also for us as a church family. So the vision, make it memorable and portable. If it's memorable, it needs to be, it's going to be portable. If it's portable, it needs to be memorable. Okay, so we're going to trust that if anybody at any time stops you, wakes you up at two o'clock in the morning, asks you, what's so far about? You're going to, <laughs> it's just going to happen. It's just, you, 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 you see it, you remember it, it's simple, and it's a profound, and it's of God. So then it says, therefore, the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. 
At the end, it will speak, it will, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. In other words, if something is of God and we embrace it, it will happen. Why? Because God's going to make it happen. God's going to make it happen. It's not people that need to, in their own flesh and in their own striving, try and make something happen. It is simply partnering with God. So that's what we want to do. Then verse 4, it says... A well-known verse, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So when it comes to vision, your, your own personal vision for your life, or when it comes to a corporate vision, you need faith. You need faith. Because we, we see dimly. We don't see clearly. We get glimpses here. We get glimpses there. I have prophetic words uh, from four years ago and so many years ago and there again and there again. And I'm trusting the Lord to put that all together to see what He wants to do. Okay, so we're going to need faith. And that first part that says that He may run who reads it. In other words, a real God vision will cause us to move. It will move us. It will move us. It will get, it cause us to get up in the morning with a fire in our hearts, like I'm living for something meaningful. I'm living for something bigger than myself. So that's what we're trusting, that this is what the vision will cause. So, so as you know, fivefold ministry, I want to take us back to the verse, Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. And it says there, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So he gave the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints so that they can do the ministry. Because remember, the pastor's at home drinking coffee while the people are doing ministry. Say amen. Yes. Romantic coffee with my wife. For the edifying of the body of Christ so that the bride of Christ can become beautiful. That's the purpose. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God that we may see Jesus and know Jesus. And then come to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In the end goal, the fullness of Christ. So I've been wrestling how to, make it, how to break this down, how to simplify it in one of our elders' meetings it sort of came to pass. So we want to make this our mission. Mission meaning it probably won't ever change. Vision changes every three to five years or so, but mission is sort of, it's never going to change unless the Lord really speaks again. But uh, so our mission is the following, to lead people into living out the fullness of Christ. Short, sweet, I almost feel like I need to introduce an iPhone or something now. <laughs> Anybody that's seen a Steve Jobs presentation. <laughs> so to lead, to lead people into living out the fullness of Christ. Our church's mission to help, to, to lead, to encourage and equip the saints to live out the fullness of Christ. That excites me. Imagine all of us would begin to live out the fullness of Christ. So I've been wrestling with, God, how can we make it simpler? Okay, so that's the mission. And so we were asking this question, and I've been reading some books, and, and, I, and I discovered the guys say that ideally you want three core values. 
three core values. It sets you apart from other organizations and other people, other churches. You know, you have basic core value or basic values. It's like, um, you, if you don't do this, you can't play the game. So, you know, as if, if, if we say our value is integrity, we shouldn't be saying it. We're Christian. It should be basic. It should, I don't need to say, guys, we need to have, to have integrity. You know, you can't be on the playing field as a Christian if you don't have integrity. So we were, we're, we're looking at how can we break this down into what we call now our DNA. So we want to get feedback from you guys concerning this. Uh, and, and basically what it comes down to is a simplification of the fivefold ministry. So these would be our non-negotiable, uncompromising values, and we need to live it. Okay, so here we have a D. D stands for divine presence. N stands for nurturing relationships. And A stands for apostolic mission. Our DNA. Sha. <laughs> okay, so, so what this comes down to is the D, the divine presence is the prophetic culture. The N is the pastoral culture, nurturing relationships. And then the A is the, uh, we took the apostolic culture and the evangelistic culture and we put them together into apostolic mission. And now all the teachers ask, where is the teacher? Now we're building that into each one because you can't equip the saints for the work of the ministry if there's not teaching happening, if there's not equipping happening, and if the Word of God isn't at the center of it. So we're saying each one of the other three cultures or, or, or three values need that at its heart. The Word of God and each one teach one. Each one equipping one another. Okay, so DNA. So the, the D, just to quickly unpack that, and I've preached quite a bit about these uh, cultures, but everything flows from God's presence. Okay, so these values basically are like non-negotiable. Now, now let me give you some background. There are a whole lot of models in the church world about how to do church. There are how to build the church quickly models and church growth and all these wonderful things. I tried it around eight, seven, and six years ago. I wasn't happy because I didn't feel Jesus was in the house. You know, and so there are a lot of churches that are going for numbers and they're trying to keep all, all their services like an, within an hour type of thing. And I mean, each guy needs to decide what they want to do. But I just can't do that. We tried over the last six months to do our evening service a little bit shorter. We changed from four songs to three songs, and the worship went longer. <laughs> I'm like, how does that work? So I tried. We're probably never going to have short services. If you want short services, there are a whole bunch of churches that are going to bless you. But I want Jesus. I want the presence of God. Amen. I want God to move. So this is non-negotiable. This is like, sorry, this is who we are. We're going to worship Jesus. So we're going to make space for the Holy Spirit. And so I was speaking to, to, to Cliff and Sandy who moved to Australia, into Adelaide, and they've been going to churches there, and that one church there as well, big church and they say wonderful people, wonderful leaders who love Jesus. But you know, but it's short services. There's no space for God to move. And Sandy says to me, she's dying. She's missing the presence of God. 
You know, and, and, and I think what happens in the church world is that we try to build church in our own ability through systems and structures and, and things. And I think all leaders fall into that trap because you're under pressure and you want it to be good and successful. And then you, and I've decided I would rather freak someone out a little bit with intense presence and power of God and trust Jesus to save them. Amen. You know, so, so for me, this is, so this is a, like a core value for us as a church, the presence. We want to live from God's presence, unashamedly. We are a worshiping church. We are a praying church. You know? So it's like worship, prayer, and prophecy. That's the, that's the prophetic culture. That's the prophetic flow. And, and, as you, and on the previous slide, you see the triangle. You see that the, the D is at the top top of the mountain. The glory is on top of the mountain. Moses had to go up the mountain. You know, so God is calling us up onto the mountain into His presence and in our personal lives as well to pursue His presence. Okay, so that's the D, divine presence. Then the N for nurture, relationships. Again, this is for me. You know, I, I also sat down and I value what are the main things that is non-negotiable for me. For me, my relationships are non-negotiable. My marriage is non-negotiable. My son is non-negotiable. I'm not going to sacrifice my, my wife or my child on the altar of ministry. I'm not willing to sacrifice my family for pursuing the kingdom of God because I believe you don't need to sacrifice. Obviously, you make sacrifices, but you're not like you give them away and you know, on, sacrifice on an altar, you know, which is idolatry. And you're giving your, 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 your relationships away. So, I'm, so for us... Nurturing relationships is non-negotiable, the pastoral flow, the pastoral culture. And so what we're also saying is, well, our slogan is, everybody's a somebody in Christ, as I've often spoken about. But relationship is the mission. But I heard this from a guy, and I'm, I'm so sorry he got it before me. I would love to take this for me, for myself. But he said, they are about uh, a group of friends getting together to change the world. Now that excites me. A group of friends getting together to change the world. What if every one of, of, of our life groups and, and, and our friendship circles become a group of friends coming together to see lives changed, to see the kingdom of God really come? You see, then you enjoy the journey. God is a God of relationships. So we're saying we're not going to compromise. And I say, I tell you how often I speak to leaders and pastors and people all over the world, and I, and I just realize some are getting it right, but some are not. They're missing it. They, they don't realize the importance of relationship. They exalt other things above relationship. And for us, relationship is non-negotiable. Amen. Come on, we're trusting God that in this church, when broken marriages walk in through those doors, it will become healed and blessed and awesome. Amen. And so we want to, as like a laser focus, like we live from God's presence and we invest in relationships because it's part of our mission. And then uh, a part of the, as a, everybody is somebody in crisis, this culture we want to develop, and we're going to be speaking about this in the, in the months to come, but basically this, this one-liner the miracle is in the house. As, a, as, as, as leadership, we are not looking outside of this church for awesome people to come. 
Because the awesome people are already here. Amen. Because we believe in the power of Christ in people to transform them and to raise them up to become powerful in Christ. So this is for us like we believe. We believe in you. We believe that God has called you to become the best possible you. You are more than what you think you are. So we want to unlock that. We want to go next level in that. Okay. So that is nurture relationships in the context of everybody's a somebody in Christ. So we're also going to be developing our ladies more. We're going to give more of our ladies opportunity to preach. (laughs) Glory to God. (laughs) Finally, now we're excited. But the, the, the beauty of, of, of what God holds before us is that you don't need a theological degree to preach in this church, but you need, need to know Jesus. You don't need to be male, you can be female. Parts of the church is also done. Don't get that one. I'm like, come on, Holy Spirit is within them. Why not? How can we keep them back? So that the door is, in a sense, wide open to any one of us in this church. If you seek the face of Christ, and if you prove yourself faithful, God's going to promote you. There's no limit. And I believe that's part of who we are. There's no limit of what God, to what God can do in us and through us. And then the third one, apostolic mission. And for me, it's like applying the power of God to see souls saved and set free. So, also non-negotiable for us is the power of God. And I shared a little bit about, about this on Sunday. There are, a part, there are parts of the body of Christ that live as if God is dead. And He's not. So, this is also part of it. I and we are going to share stories in life group, from the pulpit. And sometimes the stories are going to be weird you know, like on Christmas Day, I shared a, one or two interesting, weird stories. You know, and sometimes people jump up and they walk out. And I'm like, well, we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. But in this church, we talk about the power of God because He's powerful. We're not going to be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be ashamed of the God who is with us. Holy Spirit is with us. Large portions of the church only mention Holy Spirit in name, but they don't practice the power of God. They don't walk in the power of God. And as a church, we believe God has called us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. He proclaimed the kingdom of God, and then He demonstrated the kingdom of God. And we're not going to be ashamed of that. So I, uh, uh, earlier, beginning last year, we had this series on, on, on physical healing. It was an awesome time, and people were getting healed. It was wonderful. So we, we made a video recording, and we put it online, and you... I had fun. <clears throat> the one guy, he uh, accused me of being, um, what was it again? A charlatan, a false something. He didn't watch it. He didn't look at any of the videos or anything. Just because we proclaim Jesus actually healed somebody, it proves that we are False. You see, because that's part of how parts of the church have been indoctrinated. Any so-called miracle is obviously false because God isn't doing miracles anymore. So we want to show 
people that God is still powerful without being weird. Totally weird. I know we're a little bit weird. We'll always be a little bit weird. But without being totally weird. We want to be as normal as possible, as loving, as kind, as ordinary as possible, and yet carry the fullness of Christ and reveal that to people. Why? Because we want to see souls saved, and we want to see people set free. So we're not ashamed of physical healing. We're not ashamed of God setting people free from demonic oppression. We're not ashamed of, of, of all those things. We want to see people set free. We're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ unashamedly. It is our apostolic mission. In other words, every one of us needs a mission. That's what we're trusting the Lord for, that as a church, every individual would come to a place where they are living in the presence of God, they are nurturing their relationships, and they are releasing the power of God into the lives of people to see them saved and set free. Why not? I heard that someone said this, that uh, said on Sunday evening, many people think it's hard to be anointed. But we have found that even if a handkerchief can be anointed, then surely you can be anointed. The book of Acts, Paul prayed over handkerchiefs, the anointing soaked into the handkerchiefs. They took it to people and they were set free and healed, etc. Go read it in the book of Acts. I'm not making it up. But if a handkerchief can be anointed, then how much more you and I who love Jesus, who are passionate about Him, who can activate our faith and say, God, you live in me. We want to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's you. Everybody a minister of the gospel. I believe if we embrace those three core values, we're going to see this in our lives. Okay. Now the challenge is when it comes to the DNA or any of these things or mission statements and vision statements, the challenge is it can be a nice thingy on the wall and a complete waste of time. Until you and I begin to live it. Okay, so that's what we're going to trust the Lord. We've got a great idea how to get all of us to live it. Say yay. 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 Okay. But before I share that, I want to share with you a, a prophecy from the Canadian prophet in India that prophesied this over us. Must be God. You know, if the Canadian prophet prays over you in India, it must be God. This was in 2014, and he prophesied this over me. He said, there's going to be a wonderful, reproducible DNA that you're going to have an understanding that the best thing I can do is understanding the DNA that God has put in us. It's going to get very simple. Hallelujah. And then he spoke about planting churches unto the fifth generation, meaning one church plants another church, plants another church, plants another church, plants another church within 10 years. So he says, one generation is Andre plants a church, second generation is that church plants a church, but has it gone to fifth generation yet? Have you seen a fifth generation of church planting take place within, let's say, a few years? You're going to start seeing that type of dynamic because you're going to understand your DNA and you're going to reproduce that DNA within every cell of the body. And it's going to go viral as well. Viral. I like that. But reproducing it into every cell, meaning every person gets it, and then it begins to go viral to other churches. 
So we believe for the next three to five years, we're going to trust that this church will become everything God has called us to be, a church that lives out the fullness of Christ, and then that we can begin to overflow and bless other churches and multiply into other churches and be blessing to, to many others. The next bit says, I see you like a dandelion, how it's yellow and it turns white, but then the winds come and these seeds are actually going to be blown all over the place by the Spirit of God. And it's as though in many ways you're going to let the wind of the Spirit direct and control this move of God. And for me, this is profound because over the last few years especially, I feel God is really setting me free from all forms of control. You know, this is a trap, again, for church leaders. We, we want the people to do it, so we're going to get them to do it. You get frustrated and freaked out, and then we start preaching, and it feels more condemning than inspiring. And, and I've been there myself. And I believe there's such a word from the Lord that it's going to be by the Holy Spirit that no one has to force anybody to do anything. It's just, man, I'm inspired to release the fullness of Christ. So that's really what I, what, what I believe God is going to do. And in this move of God, you're going to be focused on the advancement of the kingdom. But as you're focused on that, it's in, it's in the wave of that that churches are established and planted. And this blesses me so much because this is also where we are at. We are not into building a brand. We are not into worship shofar East London or shofar. We are not into me and myself and us. We are going to be generous and gracious and love, no strings attached. We're going to bless you. If you never come to our church, 100%, but we're going to bless you. Kingdom. And so the Lord is speaking to me about this more and more kingdom-minded. I want our church to be a blessing to the city. A blessing to the city and beyond. Kingdom-minded. I don't want to build my own kingdom. Even in Shofar currently, I'm telling our, what, 50 or so pastors, I'm telling them, guys, I don't want to be your boss. I want to help you succeed. I have no, no desire to be your boss and to order you around. And if you don't like what I'm saying, then fine. Don't listen. Do your own thing. But you're going to miss out. <laughs> so that's really our hearts. And then the next bit, it says, you're, you're wanting to bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. But what's going to be left in the way is church after church after church that has a passion for hosting the presence. And I'm beginning to experience this. Even in our shofar churches, the pastors are inviting me. The one pastor contacted me. He, he, he said, he, I, I preached there a second term last year or first term last year. And he said at the end of the year, he was evaluating the whole year. And he says, that weekend that I was there was the absolute highlight of the whole year because God moved. So he wants me to come back, but now, from now on, when we travel, we want people to come with us from this church. We want to take teams so the teams can come along. Amen. Amen. I see something hit a chord there. <laughs> yes. So we want you to join me and Sonica, and we're also trusting beyond us that as fivefold ministers are raised up, because that's what we believe the Lord is saying, we're going to become an apostolic center, meaning we're going to raise up apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists, which might be you. So we're, looking, we're currently working with a bunch of pastors. We're looking at developing a fivefold ministry school that we want to launch in 2019. And we want to see how we can not only develop an evangelistic culture, but develop evangelists. Because the test of a real evangelistic culture is that evangelists will rise up. You know, evangelists is simply someone that equips the saints. 
to be really evangelistic. Or we want to raise up prophets and pastors and so more. Amen. So dream with me. But I have the sense in my spirit that we're not just having vain imaginations. I really believe this is of God. And it says uh, further there, and they're going to learn to be carriers of His presence, to abide in His presence. And as they rest in His presence and His love, the kingdom is going to be demonstrated and manifested through them. And He says, this is your heart. You don't just want to see it for yourself, but you want to see it in the priesthood of all believers. It's true. Not just talk about it, but you're really going to equip and release the very thing that you're seeing. It will be a reality. This isn't just a church planting. This is a movement. And the Lord is inviting you with Him to co-create and to start a move of God. To start a move of God, you're starting a movement. Three times, because I wasn't listening. It's just the beginning. I'm seeing the baby seeds of this. I'm seeing the baby seeds of this. I can't do this on my own. The elders, we can't do this on our own. We need a people who are full of faith and say, hey, my past doesn't look like anything like this, but hey, Jesus can do this through me. Amen. Okay, so now I call this a Dion moment. <laughs> Elder Dion. Elder Dion made a suggestion, and my spirit made somersaults and, I think, a happy dance <laughs> as well. Because we were wrestling through this thing. A mission stays the same, but what is a vision, a God-given vision that would really move us, unite us, and cause us to fulfill the will of God. You know, so we have prophecy, Sonic and I have prophecy that this church, a little one will become a thousand, that we're going to be a church of more than a thousand people. So we were playing with the idea, maybe we should say, you know, a little one become a thousand. Within five years, we're going to be 1,000 people. And something just said to me, no, 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 no. Because you can hit the number, but you might not then actually manifest the fullness of Christ. So you have a crowd, but you don't have Jesus. And so the vision we want to bring before you is this. 1,000 testimonies of living out the fullness of Christ in three years. Amen. Because we were wrestling with us, how can we live out the fullness of Christ? And how can we encourage and how can we, how can we actually measure, are we living out the fullness of Christ or are we just living in la-la land? And we believe the test of living out the fullness of Christ would be testimonies of people living out the divine presence, people nurturing relationships and people pursuing apostolic mission. So... We actually think we can hit it in one year, a thousand testimonies. And I'll explain to you now, it's not going to be a very high bar. It's basically just taking a few steps forward for every person in the church. So we were also thinking, now some of us need to help us with this. We don't have that plan yet in terms of how to do it. But this is the idea. 
So don't shoot me if this doesn't happen. But you can come with something better. But we're thinking of putting up something somewhere against the wall here somewhere that says basically to lead people into living out the fullness of Christ. And then the word Christ to make it quite big. And then to put in a thousand bulbs. But we're thinking maybe that's a little bit too much. So we'll maybe do a hundred bulbs. Every ten testimonies we switch on a bulb. And the next ten testimonies we switch on a bulb. And then we see the fullness of Christ manifesting before us. Is it, wouldn't that be cool? Okay, so the engineers now need to get onto that one. Uh, how are we going to do this? Some of the guys have been doing some research already. And, uh, and if anybody asks, just say it was Gareth's idea. <laughs> he is so excited about lights flashing. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to quickly break this down for you. So what would we say, how would this look like? I, I honestly believe that we can hit 1,000 by the end of this year. Then we take all the bulbs out again and we start over. Okay. But um, so, so basically a testimony would be something like this. Breaking, the breaking of new ground personally or impacting someone else's life to a measure of significance. Okay. Might be your first time um, for yourself or something significant in your life. And I want to challenge everybody to go for at least one testament in each of those three areas. DNA, every year, at least. Okay, so let me give you a few ideas of the things we want to celebrate. So divine presence, prophetic culture, is when a spiritual discipline became a habit. It's like you haven't been spending time with God, and somehow you are, your life is revolutionized. You're spending time with God every day for like three months, and you're having this incredible time of intimacy with God. Man, that's worthy of a light bulb. That's, that's the presence of God. That's, that's pursuing the presence of God. Or maybe uh, uh, you prayed and the Lord answered your prayer. That's a light bulb. Or maybe you had a fasting breakthrough. That's a light bulb. Or maybe you had a Holy Spirit or God encounter that absolutely rocked your world. Or you prayed for someone else that rocked their worlds. That's a light bulb. Maybe you had a word of knowledge for somebody. And it was spot on. Boom, you've got a light bulb. Angelic visitation. I think you can have 10 light bulbs for that one. Ten, absolutely. Maybe for you pray, you, 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 you have never prayed in tongues, and suddenly you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you begin to pray in tongues that we've experienced at our counter four and at our counter one. There's incredible testimonies of God encounters and starting to pray in tongues. That's a light bulb, and so more. So you can also come with suggestions or ideas, but something, some form of breaking new ground in your own life or releasing a breakthrough to somebody else. I think everybody can do this. Okay, so then nurturing relationships, a few ideas. You impacted someone, someone's life relationally, or your life has been uh, impacted relationally. Or maybe there's someone that's new, came new to the faith, new in Christ, and you decide, I'm going to walk a road with them for the next three, four, five months. So you disciple that one, you walked a road with them, that's a light bulb, because you invested in somebody relationally. You made someone feel valued. I mean, significantly valued. I, I, I can do a light bulb now as well. Because on my fancy new phone, I recorded this thing that I asked, Bigsby, who is the most beautiful woman in the world? And then it says, you're gorgeous, wonderful, anointed, 
wife, Sonica, daughter of God. My son brought in the daughter of God bit as well, so we put that in. <laughs> so that's almost a light bulb. Okay, not quite, but that, that, that could possibly be a light bulb. Okay, but you made someone feel valued. In other words, you invested in someone. You believed that everybody's a somebody. And you invested in them. Or, or maybe there's been rec you reconciled with somebody. Or you facilitated a, a relationship reconciliation. Or you facilitated a broken marriage that was restored. Or maybe your own marriage was broken and it became restored. Or maybe your marriage was good but it wasn't awesome. And so you invested in your marriage and it became awesome. That's a light bulb. Amen. Because we want to live out nurturing relationships. And, and maybe the, someone's life was changed through community and through the life group and, and through being part of this community. That's a light bulb. Or maybe someone's heart that was broken was healed. That's a light bulb. Or maybe you made a significant sacrifice for the sake of someone else. That's a light bulb. Because we want to manifest the nature of Christ and we want to encourage everybody to do that. Now, come on, I think all of us can do that not going to be hard. I think we're going to hit a thousand a month. <laughs> we're going to see. Apostolic culture, a few ideas. You took a risk. You took a risk. You stepped out. You thought you had a word of knowledge, but you were wrong. Go get a light bulb if you hit 10. Take risk. You stepped out. You were afraid to do something, and yet you decided you're going to step out despite all your fear. And it was a massive success. Nothing actually happened that you could see, but something changed in you. That is a testimony. That is the win, the miracles in God's hands. We want to celebrate that. You shared the gospel with someone. They maybe didn't come to Christ, but you shared the gospel with someone. That is a testimony. Maybe you, you exhibited a radical generosity. You gave extravagantly. Went to the restaurant, there was a waitress there, you felt really led to bless her, you gave her 500 rand. Or 100 rand, I don't know, whatever works for you. But that was radical. 10 rand, radical generosity. Not quite, not quite. Okay, but maybe leading someone to Christ, someone came and found Jesus. That is a testimony. Someone physically healed or delivered, a miracle, a sign, or wonder, that's a testimony. Or maybe you discovered a facet of your mission in life, and you stepped out, and you pursued it. Whatever it might be, even a small part of your life, that's a testimony. Amen. Come on, so we want to encourage you. If, it's, if this is too easy, we might upgrade it in the future, but we're going to start it easy. Okay. The challenge is each one of us, D, N, and A. Okay, so how to lead people into living out the fullness of Christ. Almost finished this last bit. So first of all, you will be led by someone, obviously someone that's showing you the way, and then you and I need to lead people. So we start off being led, and then we need to start leading others. How are we going to lead? We say to lead. Our mission is to lead people into the fullness of Christ. What does that lead, that word means? It means we're going to encourage people, we're going to equip them. We're going to encourage them through our lifestyle, we're going to show them, we're going to live it ourselves, we're going to show them what it looks like, and we're going to encourage them in it, and then we're going to equip. So we're on every level, we want to equip people. So we'll un un unpack that over the next few months. And so we're going to start in the life groups, the leadership development curriculum we're going to be doing now is the first bit of equipping the saints. Okay, so these two things we want to through leading, encourage and equip. Come on, let's say it, encourage, encourage. 
and equip. Okay, so we want to make that part of our lives, our lifestyle. We're always encouraging people. We're showing them the way. We're living in ourselves, and we're showing them how. We're equipping and teaching others. Okay, and I mentioned Fivefold Ministry School in 2019, and uh, we have a few other ideas, but I'm going to park it there for now. Okay, so let me recap then. The vision, let me say the mission, is to lead people into living out the fullness of Christ. Our DNA is DNA, divine presence, nurturing relationships, and apostolic mission. And then our vision is to see 1,000 testimonies within three years of living out the fullness of Christ. See, even I can remember it. Awesome. Okay. Okay.